When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Here we go. Jackson over the middle, caught by Hollywood Brown. See you later. Hollywood to the house. Jackson, the spin and toss. Ingram makes a man miss. Diving. Touchdown. Russell Wilson's first pass to Metcalf. And Metcalf had it, lost it, and is picked up by the Ravens. And running in is Marlon Humphrey for the touchdown. There's a second down and three. Jackson takes it himself. Look at him turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles. Now he's got an entourage. And he's got a touchdown. He is Houdini. What a play. 47 yard. Touchdown run by the magical quarterback, Lamar Jackson. Hello and welcome to another episode of Pod Like a Raven. I'm Antonio Barbera and it's been a few weeks. We've uh, we've taken some time, we've collected ourselves, we've, we've let NFL free agency come to us, you know, haven't pushed anything and uh, reshuffled our episodes for, for the next few weeks to try to get the last info about NFL free agency, and then we'll have our draft preview two weeks from today, so we tried to realign a little bit to get closer to draft day. But first, we have to give some updates on the Ravens, on the NFL, and then some other fun things to talk about. Let's introduce my co-hosts here. First and foremost, on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, with a one COVID shot in. Uh, maybe, maybe not, probably, yes, no. How are you feeling over there? Yeah, cue the Bon Jovi. We're halfway there. Um, I'm doing good, man. I'm doing okay. Life is, life is going on, and you know what? I think the only thing I can look forward to, and lovely listener, you can look forward to as well, and the only person who won't look forward to it, oh, there's two people. There's Antonio and then producer Tim, who has to edit the darn thing, is the two-and-a-half-hour mock draft podcast that will inevitably come in two weeks. I'm excited. I've been scouring mock drafts to, to avoid you know life and work and other responsibilities, it's a great time of year. The NFL never has a bad period, and this is one of my favorites. So I'm very excited to talk to you guys today. For the listener who doesn't remember or or didn't hear our uh, mock last year, that's a one-round mock draft that will go two and a half hours. So I hope you guys are excited to hear that when it comes out. Uh, and joining on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, uh, any any COVID vaccine for you? Where, where are you in the, in the process, and how are you doing? Uh, have not really kickstarted process. Need to look a little more into it, get the ball rolling. I think it's opening up eligibility for everyone out here. Uh, 
actually, my two roommates have both received uh, their COVID shots, so uh, that's good news. You know, helps the house, so need to do my part, I guess. Um, but I've been good. Uh, I wanted to give a shout-out, actually, off the top to uh, a friend, Nikki P. He was asking, uh, he was curious where our episode was last week. He noticed uh, we didn't have one, so I appreciate his listenership. He has a, uh, a birthday coming up this week, so yeah, shout-out uh-huh. Nikki P. Great Ravens fan, great dude. Um, but yeah, I've been good. Uh, as Tim said, um, the NFL draft is one of the most exciting and I think we're in for, and we'll get into why one of the more interesting drafts in several years. I think, I think this will be the most interesting one since at least 2018 when there was the whole, who are the Browns taking and they kind of shocked the world and took Baker Mayfield and, you know, five QBs, uh, Lamar Jackson at 32nd, lest thank we forget. God they did. But, um, yeah, I think we're shaping up for a really awesome NFL draft. I'm very excited for it. We will get into NFL news and some draft trades that have sort of already happened that are going to certainly shake up the selections. But before we do NFL, got to talk about the Ravens. Got to update some things because it has been a few weeks. Uh, Nikki, Nikki P is, is right. It has been a few weeks since we've uh, been doing this show. So we have to discuss a little bit the the biggest addition to to the Baltimore Ravens roster and that happened just after we last recorded an episode and that is the signing of Sammy Watkins wide receiver to a 1 year 6 million dollar deal 5 million guaranteed i i complained about Sammy Watkins just a bit uh on the last episode because i didn't find him as the answer uh to the problem that the Ravens have offensively but more of a placeholder um but this deal is attractive. Tim was much closer to what I was afraid of in terms of numbers than than I was. Uh, I, I was projecting that long-term $30 million, three, four, five-year deal, and that did not happen. It's a one-year deal. It's only $6 million. Um, and so now I, I turn to you two. First, on your thoughts of the deal. How do you like it? How do you like the player? But more specifically, uh, I didn't like him because I thought he was going to be Jeremy Macklin, basically. A one-year veteran guy who doesn't fulfill expectations, ends up being a random raven uh, on pod like a raven uh, years down the line. But So I ask you your two opinions on this. Do you think he will be closer to a Jeremy Macklin type? One year, 440 receiving yards. Yes, I looked that up. Or like a Steve Smith acquisition, which, uh, you know, a veteran wide receiver who uh, who came and played three good years with the Ravens. Steve Smith averaging 844 receiving yards in each per for those three years that he was a Raven, which, by the way, was age 35, 36, 37. I feel like he did not get enough credit for being that old and being that productive as a wide receiver. But I turn to you, Jace, first off. How do you like the move? Uh, and on which side of this pendulum, on the, the Macklin-Smith pendulum, do you see him falling? Uh, you're going to hate me because I think I'm going to hedge and say exactly right in the middle. Um, I have definitely warmed to the Watkins signing um, since it's happened. I, like you, was not especially enthused as we talked about on our last show. I was not going to be heartbroken, you know, if if the Ravens didn't end up inking Macklin. But the more, or inking Macklin, inking Watkins. That's, uh, that's like PTSD of, uh, yeah, know, of having him on the team a few years ago. <laughs> but uh, the more I sat on it, the more, um, the, the, the better I feel about uh, this signing. I, I think Watkins is talented, you know, he's a top five pick. Um, you watch some highlights, which is easy to do. And I will say, was it 
it might even have been the Ravens official Twitter account or maybe the NFL. There was there was a highlights package that was like, wow, look at Sammy Watkins. And like, for me, it just turned into like, wow, that's a crazy throw by Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> so I, I have my, my expectations tempered a little that, you know, we talked about Watkins was like the fourth option on the best offense in football. But I do think he is probably a market upgrade still. Like, he is talented. He does have skills. He, um, you know, probably not the level of what his draft, or, like, certainly compared to some of his draft mates, you know, Odell Beckham, Mike Evans, probably was a mistake for him to be the first wide receiver off the board. But I still think he's talented. He's still young, young enough. And uh, I I think he's still an upgrade over what the Ravens had, which was looking at, what, Willie Sneed again. Uh, Maybe still Willie Sneed in the mix. Who knows? But uh, uh, I I still, as I've sat on it, I like it more and more. I think it's a, a a needed upgrade, however small it may be. Yeah, I mean, look, I hate sitting on the fence, but it's exactly what I'm going to do here. I think in no way, shape, or form is he going to be as bad as Jeremy Macklin, and it is incredibly disrespectful to put him in the same class as a Steve Smith. <laughs> um, I just, I think Steve was automatically, like, he's one of these dudes that you sign, and it's, oh yeah, that guy should have been a Raven forever, like Mark Ingram that we talked about, obviously, with his signing, Anquan Bolden as well, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, I think Sammy Watkins is a little bit in the middle. Look, I think there's positives. We talked about him a couple of weeks ago with how he grades out in the middle of the field, how he grades out on broken plays, quote-unquote, the Lamar scrambling, needing to find somebody, um, and how he's done very really well with that uh, under with Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, who, you know, probably a significant upgrade, upgrade excuse me, over Greg Roman. But Sammy Watkins also had his best season in the NFL under Greg Roman in 2015. Now, all that being said, all the Twitter hype, you know, watching all the same highlight packages, it's like <laughs> Sammy Watkins tore up the NFL in 2019. It's like, now nah, you picked like four plays where, you know, Patty Mahomes made a great play, as Jace so rightly said. The guy can't stay healthy, and he's got to stay healthy. Uh, for me, though, I think the – and this came out, and some people were a little annoyed with it, and I don't understand why. Watkins comments at his opening presser. Uh, he basically – the first one – he spoke with Lamar Jackson, said, quote, this is your show. I just want to be a part of it. You're a special talent. And I want to co- come here and try and help us as far as making plays for you. Already a veteran in this wide receiver room at 27. But the, the bigger part of this comes from a couple questions about joining this Ravens offense, you know, this run heavy offense and the notion that maybe the Ravens can't attract top talent and why he thought, does he think he can help grow Lamar into this quote? And here's this, our favorite word here as Ravens fans, elite level. And he said, quote, it takes guys getting open to be great and look great and be the Patrick Mahomes of the world and the Tom Brady. You've got to have that number one or that number two or that number three nowadays to go out there and success and be successful and literally throw the ball with your eyes closed and be unconscious. If I can go out there and be healthy key and the other wideouts can make plays, we can be a balanced offense. I go a little bit later in the quotes here when, again, they bring up why guys like Juju didn't go, and he said that it was kind of a run-heavy offense that he didn't want to. T.Y. Hilton on the Pat McAfee show said the Ravens offered him a load of money, uh, much more than the Colts, and he decided to stay in Indianapolis. Watkins countered with, and this is taking right from the ESPN article, quote, to be honest, everybody wasn't getting open. I think that's a part that's critical with this offense. We can blame the offensive coordinator, but us as players, we got to do our job. I 
I'm in on Sammy Watkins automatically with that mentality. The guy is is a proven winner already. He's a veteran presence, and he knows that the guy the guys simply weren't good enough. Now people are like, oh, well, he was calling out his teammates already. No, if if teammates can't handle that type of criticism, then get him out. I think that's very very valid from Sammy Watkins, and he knows that he was brought in to not only make plays but to mentor these guys and help these other guys make plays. So. You know, this is completely optimistic, but maybe his presence brings an entire lift to the group in general, not just himself. And I think that's what we have to hope for as Ravens fans. Tim, I think those are all great points. I, I, I have no, I, I have no counter. Uh, besides, this isn't even a counter, but and this is our fault because we read all the articles in free agency predicting who goes where, and we hear nice fit is Kenny Galladay at six years. <laughs> 84 million like the Ravens can make it work financially in theory and like finally Lamar gets the top threat and that sets the bar for what we think the Ravens need right now what we want the Ravens to go out and do and then it gets you know it's it's not even meeting halfway really it's it's the sort of bargain one year deal and so you have to adjust expectations but I I agree with everything that you added uh, and I like him sort of throwing maybe throwing the gauntlet down a little bit throwing the challenge down to the other receivers in the room Oh, was I wrong about this? Well, then, like, let's see it next year together. Prove me wrong uh, and make contested catches in the playoffs. But we will see. (laughs) We will see how that ends up developing. Uh, I'll probably get more and more excited about Sammy Watkins as we get closer and closer to uh, training camp and all that. But I I do wonder. I tried to find it. I could not find it in the the Vegas world. What the over-under receiving yards for Watkins will be this season. It. Kim, 500 yards, 600 yards, where do you guys think he will fall? Uh, let's pretend the number is 500, because I know, Tim, a listener, I don't want to steal the, the thunder or, or say information that I shouldn't be saying publicly, but I know Tim has a, a friend uh, and a listener of this show who has a wager involving 500 receiving yards for Sammy Watkins. I would still go under that, if I'm if I'm being honest, because of the injury history and just, I, I did a, a text breakdown with you guys about just the number of passing yards that are going to be available on this team once you take out the tight ends, the running backs, uh, and then divvy up the remaining available yards between a core of, of receivers where one isn't way better than the others, like they're all going to get a, an equal share. I don't know that there are 500 passing yards left over for, for Sammy Watkins, but I ask you guys quickly before we move into other uh, other Ravens nose and notes here, is, a, is 500 yards reasonable as an over-under? Do you see more than that? Do you see less? I'll just go quickly here. You look at the Ravens receiving stats for last season. Marquise Brown, 769 yards, and it felt a lot less than that. Mark Andrews, 701. <laughs> Willie Sneed, 432. I think he's a little better than Willie Sneed, so I will go over slightly, but I will go over. See, I thought I was going to say over to Tim, and my thought was the same Willie, pretty much the same exact. I was like, oh, Willie Sneed, he'll have more yards than him. But then, like, is he going to have significantly more yards than Willie Sneed? Willie Sneed's basically been the third, second or third receiving option uh, on this team for three years now. Uh-uh. In the last two seasons with Lamar as the starter, primary starter, he has 339 yards and 432. Even a significant upgrade. Is he going to get enough to get to 500? I do not know. <laughs> I, I want to believe. I just don't know that it will happen for 
injuries. Ravens related wide receiver woes. Uh, that Inju- you know. injuries are a big thing. They're a very yeah. Big thing. Um, I want to believe, but I, I do not know that he will get to that uh, that benchmark, Antonio. Another addition. Uh, well, I guess not really an addition. Bringing back uh, a fan favorite and a pod like a Raven favorite, L.J. Fort, released by the Ravens for about two weeks there, a week there, and now back with the team. Uh, I know all three of us love him, guys. One of the one of the better tacklers on the defensive side of the ball. So, uh, yeah, yay to the to the L.J. Fort addition, Tim. Oh, are you kidding me? Absolutely. We talked about this a couple weeks ago on Pod Like a Raven that I don't get it with Chris Board. Sure, the Raven <laughs> staff loves him. You know that I love. You know what I love in a linebacker? A guy that can make a tackle in open space, and you're very sure of him making that tackle when he's lined up against that running back running the little swing route on the dump off. That's LJ Fort. They brought him back on a one point one million dollar deal. It's only going to count uh, nine count nine hundred eighty seven thousand dollars against Baltimore's cap. Obviously, the Ravens always have cap issues, so this is perfect. That guy, to me, I don't know. Maybe I just don't get it. Maybe middle linebackers are undervalued now in today's game, and and that's fine. Obviously, it's more of a passing league. You don't need these guys who maybe aren't as good covering and are much more uh, you know, tuned to stopping the run. I think LJ Fort, a veteran in that in that uh, court, or in that excuse me, the linebacker room with Patrick Queen and Malik Harrison and Chris Board. Who, again, I'm not trying to hate on the guy, but I just I don't. Maybe it's the 40s. Maybe it's the, the whole having a 40 thing. And then all of a sudden, linebackers are going to get single digits, which we can talk about in a second, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. But there's just something about LJ where I know he, he's never going to be more than, oh, yeah, he'll be a random Raven in, in you know year five or six of Pod Like a Raven. But I just love what he brings, and it might not show up on the stat sheet, he's not going to finish with 10 tackles and, and a forced fumble every single game, but he makes the solid plays when he needs to. He is somebody that you can rely on and, you know, you need those guys in the locker room. So if it's only counting $987,000 against the cap for a guy who is going to split start at, at the middle linebacker position. Yeah. Sign me up. And I think too, just for like, as a veteran presence, you guys kind of mentioned, like, I, I mean, I obviously, I love him for just, his ability to hit and wrap. It's probably the best on the team, honestly. Uh, but um, just to, to serve as that kind of example, that veteran presence for, you know, a guy like Patrick Queen and even Malik Harrison, I think guys who are probably more talented than LJ Fort, but, you know, have have room to develop, things they have to improve, ins and outs they need to learn about the professional game. And I think especially Patrick Queen, you focus on him even more, you know, get bigger, rapping at times uh there's things he needs to work on that i think lj ford does well and i think you know if he can be an example to those guys in that room i think that's like a huge plus and the final ravens note is the uh the rumor mill so two two additions and then a rumor and that's justin houston meeting with the baltimore ravens unknown about the the level of interest between the two uh the ravens have a just a Boy, a history with just not wanting to give up any compensatory picks, uh, no matter the cost. So they are very likely going to wait. Uh, I believe it's May 3rd, guys, please, if you guys can confirm that on the air. There's a certain day, it is May 3rd, yeah, to where if the Ravens sign somebody before that, they're going to lose a pick, basically. And if they wait until the 3rd, then they won't lose picks by signing players. 
but I want Justin Houston, and I and I think he's a good answer for what the Ravens need. Eight sacks last season, 11 the year before that, nine the year before that, nine and a half the year before that. That is a plug-and-play starter at outside, outside linebacker, defensive end, whatever you want to call him. He can rush the passer. He's consistent. He's not going to be at a steep, steep price tag, and I don't want to wait a month to where somebody else is going to get him. Uh, why am I wrong? Prove, prove me wrong on this, that he's worth, uh, or that it is worth waiting, I guess, until May. Well, Antonio, the, the numbers will tell you that his pressure, <laughs> his pressure rate was actually down last year. I don't care about pressure rate. <laughs> I need a guy who gets to the quarterback. To quote Jace Evans uh, during this season on Matt Judon, I'm, I'm with you, man. Like, look, here's the thing. The Ravens are a very successful franchise. The Ravens have a formula for compensatory picks that they love to keep. I don't have the list in front of me, but I'd like to think that they hit on not a decent number, but a good number for third, fourth, fourth rounders. The success rate for that round of when they get the pick is probably relatively high, and that's why they keep doing it over and over and over again. And that's fine. But if you have the chance to bring in a guy that can get to the quarterback when the one thing your defense really can't do right now is get to the quarterback on, by the way, a deal that will probably be pretty cost effective seeing as he's lasted this long in free agency, you do it. You do it. I don't care about the fourth rounder in 2021 or excuse me, 2022. Jeez, quarantine has completely melted my brain in sense of time. This team needs to win now. It's the, it's the quarterback on the rookie deal. We're going to do it all year. You know, a guy who next offseason is probably going to get extended, especially if he plays well, because they're not going to let that go all the way to the very end. The Ravens aren't going to do that. Bring in proven veterans on these cheap deals who can help you win. The Ravens do it all the time after May 3rd. The training camp cut, the, you know, the Bryant McKinney, who helped them win a Super Bowl, basically, as a left tackle. They make those moves, and they make the shrewd. Oh, the Ravens are so good at the shrewd move. And here's the thing. I'm not here to criticize the Ravens. They, they clearly do this not better than everybody, but better than 98% of the NFL, I would say. But there are so many people on, you know, and I'm just going to go to Twitter now because, you know, that's a real judge of character for actually how people feel. But there's so many Ravens fans that are like, you, you can't criticize them at all for sticking to their plan, doing the right thing. And look, hey, maybe they can wait till May 3rd. They still get Justin Houston on a good deal. And Bob's your uncle. Great. We got the comp pick. We're good. And maybe the price gets lower and lower. They bring in him and Melvin Ingram. Just an idea. Just a thought. But why risk it when you can bring in the guy now? And and obviously, we're not going to know everything. He's supposed to visit the team on Tuesday as we record this. And maybe the, he wants too much money, and he's going to come to the table, and the Ravens are going to say, you know what, it's not worth losing a draft pick, which we so incredibly covet, and I understand that. But if you can bring in this guy now on a team-friendly deal, why risk it for a guy, for a fourth round, a late fourth-round pick in the following draft in 2022 when your quarterback is a year older and, most importantly, another year is up on his contract, this contract where you have to win? It just... It boggles my mind. And look, you know, the reason why the Ravens are good at this is because you don't covet free agents because once you do that and you bring them in on overpaid deals, they end up being busts. Look at the Cleveland Browns over the years. Look at the Washington football team over the years. Look at any team. Any team that wins in March loses in February. Like (laughs) that whole thing that that happens. 
But this is one of those ones where I'm just like, man, come on. Like, who's who's getting after the the quarterback in this team? Sack daddy? No, he's more like almost got there daddy. He didn't get there in time daddy. I, I just don't see it. Tyus Bowser, great player, but he's not a premium pass rusher. And Justin Houston isn't either. But that's the state of the, the room right now, that they definitely, absolutely, 100% need a guy like this. And if it's at risk of one of those fourth-round picks, just do the damn deal. I, I, I'm with you in a lot of ways, Tim. I, I, the Ravens put their process first. And then the results kind of fall where they may. And that can be frustrating to watch, for sure. And I think especially for something like this, where it's just like, you know, Justin Houston, consummate professional. Just does everything well. Uh, You know, 97 and a half sacks in his career. 97 and a half. (laughs) He's really good. Justin Houston's a really good player. And he's, you know, he's a veteran, but he's not that he's 30. He just turned 32 in January. Like, you know, still kind of like right, right in the heart. He would just be such a good ad. And it is just so frustrating that so often. And as you said, maybe they end up with Justin Houston later this week, but it does seem like so often, you know, the Ravens get linked to these guys. Um, But it would just be so much more fun as a fan if they pulled the trigger on deals like this more, uh, for sure. Um, and I hope they figure something out. I would love a guy like Justin Houston uh, on our team. We mentioned the draft. There'll be some options in the draft, but, you know, I'm with you. They This team needs to win now. Uh, I, I think that's the thing. You can balance winning now and also winning in the future. Like, you can sacrifice your one fourth-round pick uh, to to accomplish both goals. And I wish they just did stuff like that more. But they are a very stubborn franchise in a lot of ways. And often that's good, but sometimes it's very frustrating. Well, that's the big thing, though, right? Like, I'm not saying that this should be a change in strategy all the time and that, you know, we're fans for a reason. Like, as Jay said, we get excited about free agent signings. Well, again, the football team got excited about Adam Archuleta, and look how that look <laughs> turned out years ago. Like, I, I get the right – this is the right strategy long-term. But sometimes you have to evaluate short-term risk in terms of longer-term success. And right now, longer-term success is not this guy who we're going to draft in 2022 who might develop in 2024-5. It's – Win the Super Bowl in 2021 is the goal for this team. And I, you know, they are good enough to challenge the Chiefs. They are good enough to challenge the Bills. And you know what? Here's the best part. They're being overlooked because of those two teams. And that's when the Ravens thrive the most. So, and I know that's a complete fan theory. I understand that. And the, <laughs> the stat heads will get mad at me for that. But this is when you make this move. And, and God, you know what's going to happen? They'll bring in Justin Houston. He'll have like eight sacks. He'll be fine. And then that fourth round pick will turn into somebody and Ravens Twitter will lose its mind in 2028. And hopefully I'll be off social media in general by that point. But, but for me, it's just, I don't know. In an ideal world, you sign him after May 3rd. Like I don't disagree with that, but why take the risk when he's visiting the building this week? It just seems, it it seems like a guy who's not going to be around uh, after May 3rd, and that's why that's why I'm so afraid. Uh, I can view them not wanting to lose that fourth-round pick because by the time they have to pay Lamar, the only money left will be for, like, a fourth-round 
pick level <laughs> salary. That's the only actual slot that they will be able to afford to pay. So they need to draft a starter in the fourth round and then hope that he can play three, four years. But we will see. We will see. Obviously, this comes out. You guys will be hearing this on Tuesday where the meeting will, will be happening or will have just finished. So hopefully you'll have some positive news uh, because the Ravens don't leave the guy. Leave, they don't let him leave the building if they want to sign him. So hopefully he is still in the building signing some beautiful paperwork to become a Raven. But we will see. Uh, we're going to turn now to the NFL where I'm going to just lead off with the hard-hitting news right at the top here uh, and then trickle down. So uh, number one. Aaron Rodgers hosted Jeopardy for a week. <laughs> I uh, I watched a few episodes. I, I I thought it was pretty good. Pretty good. Uh, obviously, he could could use some work. Uh, diction was was something I, th- I thought he he mumbled a little bit here and there. Uh, but I thought he did a great job uh, as as a host for a week. He claims he would accept a permanent hosting job if offered. And I learned through his quote that Jeopardy films a year worth of episodes in forty six days. I, I I did not what I did gig. not know that I, I was yeah now I know why Alex Trebek did that yeah, for, for for so long forty years <laughs> <laughs> I would love a job that takes forty six days out out of the year um, but yeah so that's uh, jokes aside I thought Aaron Rodgers was was fun and it was interesting seeing uh, like a sports guy doing a, a heady trivia game I don't know if you guys saw any of it or, or enjoyed so- it. I didn't watch it, but I saw some of the quotes from it. I saw he made a Turd Ferguson reference at one point in reference to the classic SNL sketch, uh, Jeopardy sketch. Uh, um, but he seems to genuinely love Jeopardy. He said like he he said something along the lines of like, "People in my life know not to call me at six p.m. because that's when Jeopardy's on in Green Bay." Like he seems to genuinely love it. I mean. It would be fascinating if an active NFL player was also the host of Jeopardy. I imagine they'll probably go with a more Hollywood show busy, you know, Drew Carey type when, you know, he replaces Bob Barker on The Price is Right or whatever. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I It'd be awesome if Aaron Rodgers just is the Jeopardy guy. That'd be very funny to me. But, uh, yeah, I'm... It's it's interesting to learn about you know NFL players' hobbies and that one of Aaron Rodgers is watching Jeopardy. <laughs> I, I, I you guys have said it all. I admittedly didn't watch any of it, although I knew it was going on. Uh, I listen to him all the time when he goes on the Pat McAfee show, and very interesting guy and a guy who look. I, I love that radio show, and if you don't, that's fine. Whatever, it's your prerogative. But a guy who I think got a lot of points after some of the weirder stuff that came out with his family. And then he started doing these interviews once a week. And he seems like a a really, really interesting dude. Um, So it doesn't surprise me that he loves Jeopardy for how like cerebral he is. That being said, I love the, and I, I guarantee you it's not intentional or maybe it is who knows with Aaron Rodgers, but the shade that this throws the Packers who, by the way, like just haven't helped him at all. And basically said they drafted Jordan Love to piss him off, which, great, he turned into the MVP the following year. They re-sign his running back, although you can find those a dime a dozen, and don't sign anybody else for him, and he loses his center. And so now he's like, well, if you're not going to help me in the offseason, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go on Jeopardy for 46 (laughs) days and not pay attention to you either. And, you know, look, this is me taking pieces of different things and speculating a ton, but I think think that part is really, really funny to me too. That And I hope he – I mean – Look, I, I saw the same clips that Jace did, and Antonio, I trust you for your word. I, I'm a big Jeopardy fan as well. I used to watch it all the time growing up. I would love to see Aaron Rodgers as the Jeopardy host. And when he was asked about retiring, he was like on his girlfriend Shailene Woodley's Instagram. Don't ask me how I know that. 
uh, said, no, I'm not retiring. I still have plenty of football left, and I can do both of these. And you know what? I believe him. Looking at, Tim, the Packers' uh, offseason moves the past several seasons, I feel like him having 46 days of distraction in the offseason would be just perfect for his mental health to just, just sort of get away from it uh, until uh, until July, August. I mean, talking about not having or, or not making the right moves in your window. Like, I get he's already on his big deal. Obviously, Aaron Rodgers has been around forever. The dude was unreal last year, and yet you the, the year before that, you drafted a quarterback in the first round, which you traded up to get. You drafted another running back, and then you now have re-signed the starting running back, and so now that second-round pick is a backup running back who is fine. But, you know, let's maybe receivers, maybe some more offensive linemen, you know, Stuff to actually help Aaron Rodgers do his job better, and you know, as Jace can attest to, is already very good at said job. So, yeah, I, I, I think it's very, very interesting, and I'm really glad that we led with this. I can't wait to get to the numbers. The single-digit numbers is the next hard-hitting story. <laughs> we have some trades to discuss. NFL deals, players, or I should say uh, teams, angling for top 10 draft positions. And, and some players angling to, to different teams, to greener pastures. And we'll start with the Jets trading Sam Darnold to the Panthers for the sixth, a sixth-round pick Excuse me, in this draft, and then a second and fourth-round pick in 2022. The Jets already having the number two pick for being really, really bad. So Darnold on the Panthers, an opportunity to, to get a starting job on a new team. We'll have to fight Teddy Bridgewater there. And then the Jets making it 100% apparent that they will be taking a new quarterback, new face of the franchise, at number two. Guys, thoughts on this uh, trade for, for both sides? So I think for the Jets, uh, I think this was the right move. I, there, you know, there was the speculation. It's like, oh, they built around Darnold. It's like, no, I think you've got, you know, three years with this guy. It hasn't worked out. You got a new coach. I think you just need to do the hard reset. It's hard to say when you'll have uh, the second overall pick again. And the way this draft is shaking out, you should have your selection of a pretty good quarterback. Now, we know the Jaguars have basically all but officially signed Trevor Lawrence to a contract at this point. Um, so he'll be going number one. But at number two, it seems like the Jets are focusing on, in on Zach Wilson, the BYU quarterback. I be, believe it was Steve Young I was reading something. Steve Young said that they were focusing in on... Uh, Zach Wilson and Joe Douglas, the GM of the Jets, just said, "Well, Steve's pretty plugged into BYU, so that didn't necessarily sound like a a deny <laughs> uh, there." So um, it seems like the the, the 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 Jets are going with Zach Wilson, which we'll see. I don't know. I'm not a hundred percent sold on Zach Wilson myself as a pro quarterback, but he can he can certainly throw the ball a mile uh, and does some really interesting stuff, but. I'm more fascinated, I think, by the trade from the Panthers' perspective because they've been trying to get a quarterback for a while, um, it seems. It, it's been clear that they're not sold on Teddy Bridgewater, but now they have you know Bridgewater, who you brought in on this, I believe it was a three-year deal last year, and then you trade for Darnold, and I believe, I don't know if they've done it yet, but it sounds like they're going to exercise his fifth-year option. And so now it seems like Carolina's taken themselves out of uh, draft consideration for QB, which might be the right move because, as we'll discuss, I don't know how many good QBs will still be left uh, by the time the Panthers pick at eight. But um, it's it's just really interesting because I 
I'm still a Sam Darnold believer in some ways. I think he's very talented, but I, like, is Carolina going to be the team to extract it from him? This like rebuilding, this also rebuilding squad that seems to just kind of be playing like QB roulette and be like, who's who's got to stick? And it might not be either guy. And then are they just drafting a quarterback next year? It's very confusing to me what exactly they're doing. But it seems like with like. I don't know. I would have, I guess, liked, like, if you're a team like maybe, like, Pittsburgh or, like, I don't know, like, the Bears even, like, maybe taking a chance on Darnold. But I don't, I don't, I just don't get what it does really for Carolina other than kicking the QB can down the road. Yeah. I don't hate the, the hall either. I, you know, I kind of agree with, with you on everything here, Jace, slightly. Then I'll retort in a second. But I think, the a reaction when it happened was, oh, that wasn't bad for Darnold. And then it was like, oh, my God, you gave up that much for Darnold? Like, the, you know, there was obviously there always has to be a counterpoint to the original point. I still stand firm that if you believe Joe Brady is this guy and, you know, for me, Matt Rule and Joe Brady are darlings of the NFL right now. Like, I don't think anybody's ever said a bad word about him. And let's. <laughs> You know, let's go three more years, and they still keep going seven and nine. And (laughs) they had the greatest five and eleven season in NFL history. Right? There's a lot of good, and and both of the guys are you know rules on a six year deal. It's a new owner down there too, so they're building something. I don't know. You know, you watched Darnold in college, Jace, more than I did. I've watched nothing but horrible, but also Adam Gase is one of the worst coaches of all time. So who knows? Like, look at Ryan Tannehill now in Tennessee. And, you know, maybe he could crater after Arthur Smith left, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, so I, I would give Darnold a shot. And I think there's no issue picking up his fifth-year option and letting him go. That being said, and I will say, as this came through, and as we're talking about our mock draft coming up, I just did a random number generator to figure out who is going to be making the picks. And I figured out our draft order. I will be picking first. Oh, come on. What are we doing here? What are we doing? I put in, I put in a sequencer on our Zoom call right now. I said one, two, three. I hit random, and it went two, one, three. So Antonio will be picking second. Jace will be picking third, and we'll cycle through that for the rest of the time. I don't want to pick for the Jets. I don't want to. <laughs> but here's the thing. And, first, and I have to determine when the Ravens pick. I can't do the math off the top of my head right now. But Antonio... Now you know who you're picking. I mean, it's it's Zach Wilson at this point. And I think, like like Jay said, it's opened that up. From there, now the draft gets interesting at three, or or, or does it? You know, who knows? Well, then that's the whole, the whole other thing with just Wilson is it's like, is this all just a smokescreen? I'm inclined to not believe it is, just because you know I think Zach Wilson is good, but. You know, everyone thought the Browns were drafting Sam Darnold, and then they took Baker Mayfield. So. We'll see. I still think I, th- I I still think drafting Wilson second overall is probably the safe bet, and just to to move on from Darnold. I think he is talented and just deserves a second shot somewhere. Well, with Tim teasing that that number three pick, let's get into the next uh, bit of news here, which is the Miami Dolphins, who had the number three pick because they have twenty seven first round picks for the next few years. <laughs> They traded the number three overall pick to the San Francisco 49ers. They received the 12th overall pick from the Niners and then traded that to the Eagles. So the Dolphins move from three to six, uh, adds some more picks out of it. They're just finagling uh, deals over there. 
and now San Francisco drafting third and throwing up all sorts of signals about whether or not they are ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo, get another quarterback in the in the QB room there, or if they're just trying to move up because there is just a stud in the draft that they want to get before anybody else has an opportunity. That could be a wide receiver that they really like because there are a couple of them in this draft at the top. Could be a tight end that I know Jace is all over. Kyle Pitts is, is Jace's guy. Uh, or, or someone else. So thoughts on uh, on the finagling from the Dolphins and the 49ers? Well, for the 49ers, I mean, I think it has to be QB, right? I don't think you make this trade because it wasn't like they were picking that deep. I think they had like what, like the 14th pick originally or something like that. So it wasn't like, like they could have, you know, you're probably getting the second or third best offensive tackle. If that was the direction you wanted to go, something like that edge guy, whatever the, the Niners, the Niners are a fascinating team just because this was a team that went 13 and three, two years ago and was like five minutes away from winning the Super Bowl. Uh, have a 10-point lead in the fourth quarter against the Kansas City Chiefs. And last year, they just kind of have the, the, the year from hell. Everyone's injured. Uh, you know, Kittle's in and out of the lineup. They lose Nick Bosa, I believe, in like the second game of the season, second or third. Jimmy G's hurt on and off. But this is a very good team when healthy. Like I And so I think you look, you look I think there's no way you look at this move and think, like, it can be for anything other than a QB. Like, I think it has to just be a quarterback. But as we were talking about, it seems like obviously Lawrence is going one and it seems like the Jets are locking into Zach Wilson at number two. And that's where it gets interesting because I don't know who that third quarterback is. It's very interesting. There's not really a consensus. I think it's Justin Fields, but there seems to be a growing contingent of Trey Lance people. And then the really crazy, you know, I don't know if, if this is real or not, but you've seen Mac Jones's name floated for third overall, which would astound me, I think, more than any NFL draft pick ever if Mac Jones goes third overall after the Niners trade, like, multiple third-round picks, or first-round picks, excuse me, to move up for him. Um, so that's a very long-winded way, I guess, to say is I'm kind of very confused, and I don't exactly know what the Niners do. I think it's going to have to be a QB. I don't think they have enough. Like, I think they're, they're, even their receivers are good enough. Like, I don't think you make this move for, like, a Jamar Chase. Like, I don't know that he's that big of a different, like, in terms of what they have. Like, you know, Brandon Ayuk's pretty solid. And uh guy from South Carolina, whose name I'm completely blanking on. But uh, is it Debo Samuel? Because one is, of my yes. favorite NFL players. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Debo, yeah, so they have, like, some decent receivers. Obviously, they already have George Kittle, who might be their best tight end in football right now. Um, so they don't have that many holes, and it just seems like they're not sold on Jimmy G, and that they're making this move for a QB either of the future or the present, if they trade him somehow. I would very much like to see Kittle and Pitts on the same team, though, just destroying the middle of the field. That would be unreal. Uh, <laughs> Tim, your thoughts on uh, on this trade and what it means for San Francisco? Uh, first, for San Francisco, look, and this stuff changes by the day, and Jace nailed it with smokescreen, but Kyle Shanahan's favorite quarterbacks are Matt Ryan and Kirk Cousins. It has been, that has been reported by NFL insiders that that is the type of guy he likes for his offense. Kyle Shanahan is also a coordinator who basically wishes he was on the field. He's 
using every like he is all his plays are so meticulous that he draws everything out that basically he just needs a plug and play guy at quarterback. The consensus is Mac Jones is going number three overall at this moment in time. Now, it's been reported on Monday as we record this that the 49ers are going to do their due diligence. They're going to the second pro day that Justin Fields is having, yada, yada, yada. I I, I turn to Jace here, obviously. He knows way more about college football than I do. The Justin Fields stuff uh, earlier in the past week where it's like, well, some people think he might be a fourth-round pick because he just doesn't show the toughness. Go watch the semifinal uh, game against where he gets basically <laughs> like broke his ribs. <laughs> yeah, broke his ribs, throws six touchdowns still, and they go to the, the championship game, if I'm correct there, Jace. So I think Fields could still be a really special player. Um, you know, the nightmare scenario is the Patriots find a way to trade up to four to get him after the Niners take freaking Mac Jones. Um, but we'll see. And Jace... He has the third pick in our draft, so he'll be picking for the 49ers unless anything changes in a couple weeks. So he'll be able to blow things up. In terms of the Jimmy G stuff, I still have a thought that they're going to go with him this season. And let me tell you why. Because I think the Niners were decimated by injury last year. And they are still, like Jay said, an incredibly good team who are getting a lot of those guys back. So I think they almost want to have know what they have at the quarterback position, know that they can be a very dominant team with Jimmy G at quarterback, go with him and draft the guy for the future. And maybe that means it's a guy like Trey Lance, who is much more of the raw skills than a guy like Mac Jones. Who knows? My prediction right now, and this could obviously change, is they still take Mac Jones and they keep Jimmy G. Before we wrap all this, I do just have to say that the haul that the Dolphins have if you don't know the story, I need to tell you the reason they have as many picks as they do is basically because Laramie Tunsil loves weed. That's essentially the entire story. If you don't know from the 2016 draft, Laramie Tunsil, tackle out of Ole Miss, he's supposed to go, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, boys, number one or like top five. He's supposed well, to be. He, he was going to be a top five pick. He was going to probably be picked by the Ravens because um, if you remember, we drafted Ronnie Stanley that year. That is true, but thank you for that. Yeah, I completely forgot. It was that same draft. That night, a photo slash video uh, leaks of him smoking a gas mask bong. There's no other way to put it. And I'm looking at the picture right now because I pulled up a news story, weirdly in Golf Digest for whatever reason, about Laramie Tunsil. Um, and he plummeted. He, go, he went all the way to 13, uh, and that's where the Dolphins picked him up and said, hey, you know, not a big deal. He ended up being a great great player for them they traded a whole load of or they traded him excuse me to get a whole load of picks back from houston they've turned those picks into other picks what have you i'm not going to go through the whole thing but basically the fact that laramie tunsil there a video leaked of him smoking a gas mask bong is the reason that the dolphins are in the position they're in and they they're loaded with first round picks as antonio said for uh, for a number of years and i just think it's a funny it's a funny story for those of you who don't know it well, and it, 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 the, it led to the Ravens getting Ronnie Stanley. So, again, thank you. You know, thank <laughs> you, good. whoever, whoever did good. that. Yeah. Um, well, just the Dolphins side of this trade, I guess, just to touch on it, um, and specifically them moving up, I, I really like it from them because, like, you know, you think at three, I thought, I'm like, well, they're probably looking at Penny Sewell or you take Jamar Chase, get another awesome uh, receiver um, to help Tua out because, obviously – um, based on the moves they've made this offseason, well, A, trading back uh, out of three, B, um, 
letting Ryan Fitzpatrick walk, it's clear they're committing to Tua, which I think is the right move. I think it, it was too too young, and you know, I, I think he still has too much potential to part ways with him after just what we saw last year. But um, I think for the Dolphins, it's just such a great move. You know, they they go down to I think it was twelve actually where they they or they drop down to the Niners pick, but then they trade up and get. It was 12 uh, with Philly. Yeah, it was 12 right, with yes. Philly. Philly was at 6. Niners were at 12. Dolphins go down to 12, and then they flip with Philly. So Philly, who was at six. 6, are now at 12. So, and, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Tim, but I believe the one of the picks they trade the Eagles to make this trade-up happen is one of the picks they get from the Niners. I'm fairly certain. Uh, okay. Yeah, I, I have to... I'll just believe you on that. Okay. Uh, but so, as you said, though, they've accumulated all these picks. And so to be able to trade back up, I think they're going to ultimately get the player they wanted at three at six i think that's why you make this trade i think they're like there's going to be a run on qbs we don't need a qb and basically how the draft's going to work there's going to be three qbs taken in the first you know three picks it seems like and then uh and then by six it's we'll probably have a pick of one of like penne Sewell or jamar chase or maybe a devonta smith like someone who can really help uh, to his development. So I really like the trade for the Dolphins. As for the Eagles, I have no idea what they're doing, but that's a whole other uh, conversation for another day. I don't know why you would trade down when you have the sixth overall pick and you need help uh, everywhere. But I think, I guess if they got some future first out of it, it works out, but who knows? <laughs> Interesting. And I'm just going to, I'm just teasing this throughout the program because I just made it as we we're talking here. Jace is picking six for the Dolphins. He's picking three for the Niners, six for the Dolphins. And 12 for the Eagles. Oh, He's got God. all three of the teams in the trade <laughs> that he is picking from, including as well the Baltimore Ravens at 27. Oh, okay. So get thinking, Jace. You've that's, got the 27. That's pick. the guy I want. I trust that guy making the pick for, for the Ravens at 27. I'm Tim, the Miami so Dolphins. Upset, the, <laughs> the, the Dolphins' first-round picks. They This year, they draft 6th and 18th. Next year, they have one first-round pick, and then 2023, they have two first-round picks. So they have five first-round picks in the next three years. It's a little terrifying, uh, especially if Tua continues, or I should should say does develop into uh, the top-tier QB that they want him to be. All right, the last bit of NFL news, and I'm going to try to stay calm for it because I hate it. I don't like Mm -hmm. it. I, I complained about it, I don't know, when we talked about it a year ago. It's 17 games. It's a 17-game season. It's happening, uh, approved in the NFL for next year. There will be a 17th game. Uh, I'm so annoyed at teams going 8-9 and nine and consistently getting a wild-card spot. I'm mad that teams can't go 500 anymore. Uh, I'm mad that having 1,000 yards rushing or receiving is going to be diluted now with an extra game to, to get that statistic. The Ravens still will never have a 1,000-yard receiver, even with that 17th game. Um, I I, I want to get your guys' thoughts here because I'm already starting to get hot. I just I hate an odd number of games for a season. The, the scheduling was always so symmetrical and like it was perfect in terms of who you played, what division you played each year, and now it's just an, annoying to me. Jace, uh, talk me off the ledge here, or are you going to jump off with me? 17 games, annoying, right? Yeah, no, we're jumping off together because I you. hate it Thank so you. much. It's it's so bad, Antonio. Like you mentioned, just like hearing the, the the records out loud is like 
the worst part. And I, I, I got a little more used to it, actually, because I realized um, the records correspond uh, will correspond with NCAA tournament seeding. So while that was going on, that kind of helped my brain. But, like, uh, you know, a team will go 15 and 2. So it's like, you know, 2 and 15, 3 and That's going to help 14. way more. Holy uh, crap. Yeah, it took me a while to come to that conclusion, but... Still, it's still weird to see an NFL team be like, oh, what a great season. They went 15-2. and two. And you're like, what? <laughs> it just feels wrong. It seems wrong. Now, I will say all this as a precursor. Like, they're going to 18, right? At some point. Like, this, I feel like, is only a few year. This will probably be like three, four years back. So if they can 17. eliminate preseason games, which it may already be eliminated, or at least they're going to try to trim it down, I feel like, because... That is Probably, the answer yeah. to me, is have, like, a game or two of um, preseason to where your third and fourth round strings can get a few minutes and then go to 18. Right? I, just, I, I see the players not pushing back strongly if you're doing four preseason games and then well, 18 regular season games. Yeah, and if you're, I mean, if you're playing, if you get up to 18, like you said, like, you're kind of diluting the regular season anyway, so that's, like, your first month of the season's kind of, like, preseason anyway, because you're playing so, but, like, you can afford to lose more games and whatever, especially if they expand the playoff field, so. I mean, the, historically, the NFL owners have literally always gotten what they wanted, so <laughs> I'm guessing the 18's been floated in the past. I'm assuming it'll happen at some point, and our odd number nightmare will be over. But for now, I hate it. As for the records, yeah, I mean, it'll be... You'll just have, I guess, have to have context with it. But, you know, we've seen the, the NFL season used to be 12 games in the you know 50s, early 60s, and then they went up to 14 and then to 16, but it has been 16 for what, 42 years. So, uh, I think we've all just gotten so used to 16 games. So it, it's going to be hard to, hard to adjust, but, uh, to the records that'll just be shattered. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is where years, I've, but... this is where I fall on this. Um, it's hard to get about, get upset about something that's inevitable. And this was right. pretty inevitable at this point. Um, you know, I don't like it. I'm not going to sit here and say that I'm a fan, and I hate that a team can't go eight and eight now. I think that's very annoying. It's yeah, just that, like that's the hardest part is the 500 number being thrown off and non-existent for the most part, unless teams the, eight eight and one. That tip about that tip about seeding in an NCAA tournament bracket is just so helpful because I I would have been I would have ne- never picked up on that unless you said it right now. So I'm going to use that from now on. But yeah, I I I don't like it, but guess what? It's another football game. So you know what? At the end of the day, I think we're going to get used to it and then we're going to be like, "Oh, wait. Week 18? All right, let's go. Fire it up. I'm ready." Uh and, and we get to play the Rams. So hopefully we can, you know, beat them by a thousand again. That would be really cool. Well, well that, that's what you actually just said. I hadn't even thought about it, but that's like the other reason they're going to expand it. Uh, and I believe my a friend of mine, Jeff Clark, shout out, he has a great podcast, uh, Fade the Media. Uh, but they were talking on their show this week about, like, uh, basically, in terms of the schedule, they're not just, like, the NFL owners aren't just going to be okay with half the owners having one extra home game every year. Like, they're going to each, right. they're all going to want that ninth home game, I guess. Um, and so, obviously, the Ravens luck out this year, because I believe that Rams game's at home. Uh, 
but um, yeah, it, it's gonna take so much getting used to it. And the not the not eight and eight, nine and seven. I mean, I have the NFL records just instantly in my brain. It throws me off when teams tie and you have like a nine six and one team. So I can't even imagine like the record just being nine and what eight. <laughs> it feels wrong. Yeah, uh, I don't like it. I don't like it, and then when it's week 18, I'm going to be on here previewing the Ravens game, and I'm going to say, wow, I love that there's another week of football Oh, yeah, I'm very life. excited. I'm not, in the moment, it'll be fantastic. But... And we are, uh, I guess, one step closer to the Super Bowl being on the Sunday before President's Day, so that it can be a holiday the next day, which it should have been forever, uh, and I think that, I, I don't know if adding one game is going to do it. I, I tried to count it just now. I think there's still going to be a week short so i guess it will take to the 18th game to have that week so that the game is actually the day before president's day but um yeah we'll see i'm gonna forget that there's 17 games 12 different times uh during the regular season but that's okay um and we will see how that plays out uh that's all we have in terms of nfl news we're gonna go to the random raven tim is up and then we're gonna sort of just a quick little uh little teaser to the nfl draft so that we can get all you listeners to, uh, to get hooked and come back two weeks from now to hear our full uh, first-round mock draft. But before that, Tim, with the random Raven, who do you have for us? All right, I've got one for you here. All right, clue number one. This random Raven played one season in Baltimore, but played as a bit of a stretch as he never saw the field. Clue number two. This two-time Pro Bowler was drafted 31 picks ahead of Tom Brady in the 2000 NFL draft by the New Orleans Saints. Clue number three. Although he was drafted in 2000, this player didn't break onto the scene until 2002 when injuries forced him into a starting role with an NFC West team. He finished that season 6-0. Clue number four. Even with that great finish to the year, he was still number two on the depth chart the following season, but took over as the starting quarterback in week two and was this team's starting quarterback until 2009. At the end, I'll give, I'll give you guys the team if you need it. And this player actually wore two different numbers in his one season in Baltimore. I had to look it up. The one he is most known for is the number 10. So that is your random Raven this week. I have a name of a guy that I thought I was positive played at some point in that season. But I guess maybe he didn't. All right. Uh, That's fantastic, Tim. I'll put it this way. If he did, Pro Football Reference nor ESPN have any documentation. No, no, no. I'm sure my memory is, is better than the, the sports fact databases of the of the world. Um, well, that's fantastic. We will yeah, answer I, that. I think I have a name, and it's a doozy if it's who I think it is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Let's talk quickly now about the draft. And here's what I want to bring up specifically. I want to do a quick look at the top ten and then just turn that about, how can this benefit the Ravens? And the point is, in this year's draft, more than other years, I certainly can't remember, I, may, maybe the, the Lamar Jackson draft with all those quarterbacks in the mix, this draft seems to be super top-heavy with quarterbacks and wide receivers, which the wide receiver in the draft can be, you know, so can be an all-pro and can be, a Sammy Watkins type <laughs> player. Um, the quarterbacks, it's same deal there, but I'm looking through the projected top picks in the quarterback spots. These guys could all go in the top 10, and that's Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance out of South Dakota State, 
Justin Fields, and Mac Jones. In the wide receiver column, you have Jamar Chase, Devonta Smith, and Jalen Waddell. All three of those guys, I guess all eight of these players could go top ten. That is going to push down so many different positions, so much depth at different positions. So I ask you guys now, how can that benefit the Ravens? Will it benefit the Ravens? Can a stud offensive lineman or outside linebacker drop far enough to where the Ravens are in contention for a guy at 27? And then my sort of second part here is, is this type of draft where a lot of quarterbacks, a lot of wide receivers are going to go in the top 10? You have a stud, you know, offensive lineman that is a top five talent, but he's available in the late teens, the mid to late teens. Is this the year that the Ravens would trade up, which they do very, very rarely, but when they're in a position where moving up 10 spots is going to get them a super top pick, especially considering who they may have on their draft board, is this the year where they may move up 10 spots? because some of those other positions are going to get shoved down the board just a little bit, just enough? Or is there a guy at 27 that that can be there because of this same reason, and the Ravens can just sort of sit tight and, as usual, let a talented player fall to them? So I think if they're moving up the board, it's because they're trading Orlando Brown. Um, And I don't necessarily want that, obviously. I think it would be best for them to stick tight and... He has no leverage and he's really good, so let him just be the right tackle. But if he really like starts causing problems and they can get a deal for him, but I don't see that first probably happening. But for this hypothetical, say it's there. Um, if like say a Rayshon Slater still on the board and the Chargers come calling and say, "Hey, give us Orlando Brown," and you get the thirteenth pick, and then the Ravens take a guy like Rayshon Slater. I'd be open to that. Unfortunately, what position, Jace, for the for the listener, what uh, what position, what skill set are we talking here? So he he is a tackle. Um, there's been some talk. I guess he can even play guard, but obviously the Ravens have just made Kevin Zeitler, and I think for that for that trade, I think you'd be doing one for one. He might have played left tackle at Northwestern. They kind of had him all over the place. There, there's some other guys that I think offensive linemen that will go in the teens as well. Christian Darisol is the one Virginia Tech, I believe, tackle. Um, Another guy uh, is Elijah Vera Tucker. USC kind of does everything. A lot of people think he'll be a guard at the next level, but he's played tackle too. Um, So there are guys like that that I think will be in the teens, but I do think they'll be gone probably by the time the Ravens pick. But there will be still some talented... uh, I was looking at some some mocks today. Your guys like Jalen Mayfield um, from Michigan, right tackle. He's expected to still be around by the time the Ravens pick. So if they are really wanting to move Orlando Brown, for whatever reason, there's guys to replace him. I think the more realistic option is going to be just sit and wait and hope uh, in many ways. The thing is, there's going to be one of these edge guys that falls to them. The concern I have is there are somehow red flags with, like, every edge guy in this draft. Uh, You know, you have Jalen Phillips from Miami, really talented Literally retired from football due to concussions at UCLA before re-emerging, transferring, and then starting to play at Kentucky, uh, or at, uh, excuse me, Kentucky. Miami. Uh, Miami. Um, so that concerns me. You know, Gregory Russo is a monster also from Miami. He opted out last season. So I have less concerns about him, but he'll probably go earlier. But then you have these other guys, you know, like a lot of people are like Quiddy Pay from Michigan, 
And Jason, uh, I believe his last name is pronounced Owe. He had zero sacks at Penn State, and he is going to be on the is board. Is that good? No, I, but people are like, oh, he's really talented and athletic. And I'm like, oh, man. I was like, we're already a team that can't get – I was like, we have to have a guy who gets it done in college. Because <laughs> I was like, the chances – like, yes, you have projects. But the chances of a guy going from zero sacks in the Big Ten to now he's, you know, running by all pros like Ryan Ramchek in the, uh, uh, you know, the NFL at right tackle or whatever, like, that's not – that doesn't happen, really, I don't think. So, I, guys like him scare me. And Quiddy Pay, a kind of very similar guy to, like, uh, oh, he, uh, Rashawn Gary, another highly talented guy at Michigan, a lot of talent, not a lot of production. That scares me. If I had my druthers and we're going for an edge guy, my dream scenario is Aziz Ojolari, the outside linebacker from Georgia. He's a guy who produced at Georgia, uh, you know, really good player. Uh, numbers aren't like off the charts, but I think for where you're drafting and for his production relative to college, he's my, I think, ideal, um, edge guy. If the Ravens are going edge, if Gregory Russo is off the board, which I think he will be. So I don't know. I'm very concerned about the outside linebacker slash edge rushing class. Um, and it definitely seems like, as you kind of said, there's going to be a run on the skill talent guys. You mentioned Kyle Pitts. It seems like he's a lock for the top 10 at this point. A lot of the, it's going to be a lot of like right tackle talent and edge guys who might not be, you know, aren't Lawrence Taylor where the Ravens are going to be drafting. So it might be a frustrating draft. And then you obviously you have your other receivers like Terrace Marshall and Rashad Bateman will probably be the two guys roughly in the Ravens range. And, you know, are they good players? Sure. But they're also not, you know, we didn't mention them in the top 10 for a reason <laughs> as a potential top 10 pick. So it's going to be an interesting draft to say the very least. I know I rambled, but I have a lot of, I've been doing nothing but thinking about the draft lately. <laughs> well, this is, this is why you you're picking for the Ravens. And I think, you know, not just pure <laughs> random chance from a random number generator that I did during the show. Today. Um, uh, look, I completely agree with you. I think the quarterback thing is awesome as a neutral. It's going to be wild to see, you know, Lawrence Wilson. And then what, there's been talks of other guys not named Trey Lance and not named Justin Fields and not named Mac Jones, maybe even sneaking into the first round. Like six quarterbacks in the first round would be insane. I completely agree on the outside linebacker stuff. Look, I'll, I'll say in college, and I say it all, all the time, trust Jason's opinion more than mine. He watches all this stuff, and I watch when the college football playoff starts, usually. Um, but it seems like... Every outside linebacker in a t- in a year where we desperately need an outside linebacker, there's a big question about every <laughs> single one. Um, the kid from Notre Dame, who's kind of a do it all playmaker, uh, yes, uh, Jeremiah Owusu Koromora. There it is. Of, of course, Jace had all four names just ready to go. The more I see about that guy, the I mean, more I'm like, awesome, but yeah, I but don't he know probably that. won't. He probably won't be there at 27. Yeah, I get it. Um, the Trayvon Morig, the safety of TCU, is intriguing and would be a classic Ravens. Well, they don't really need this, but then he comes in as a stud pick. He, he's uh, another one that's kind of been rising up the boards, it seems right. like, lately, too. But he would be he'd be great. <laughs> I like Bateman. I, from what I've seen and heard and, you know, smarter guys than me, Nate Tice in particular on the Athletic Football Show, just saying that Rashad Bateman's his number one receiver in this draft. So, I mean, sign me up for that. That would be great. 
Look, we know what's going to happen. The Ravens are going to stay put. There's going to be two or three guys that we kind of like at 27. We're going to stay up to 11 o'clock, and they're going to trade out. Like, that's 100% <laughs> what's going to happen. We, we know it already. We're not doing trades on our mock draft because we're not that smart. But we know what's coming, guys. And for me, you know, again, I, as I was putting together our draft order for uh, in two weeks' time when we do this, on the, on the 27th, I believe, is the date, I... I have no idea what the Ravens are going to do. Um, I think there's a lot of need. There's a decent amount of talent where they're at. I don't see them trading up, like you said, Antonio, unless some guy really falls. And my last point, to not ramble as well, I would, I would burn down our fake studio if they traded Orlando Brown for a rookie tackle straight up. I would burn down the studio. I know Slater's supposed to be really good, but trading a proven vet even on his last year of his deal – for a guy that we know nothing about for a Super Bowl contender would infuriate me. And I don't think it's a Ravens type move. So I don't see that happening. And we don't we don't have a studio. So for Tim, that just means basically burning his house down. So that's how angry <laughs> he would be, which could it, do that it, too. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully you don't do that. Yeah, I mean I I'm like sighing while agreeing with you, Tim. They're not gonna they're not gonna trade up because the track record's just not there. But seeing a guy like Jeremiah Ousu Koromora, he's on ESPN. He's overall ranked uh, his overall rank is twelfth. If he got shoved down five spots because everybody's leaping at quarterbacks and wide receivers early, and he's there at seventeen, eighteen, could the Ravens move ten spots if they love him? But um, we will have to see. We will have so much more to bring you two weeks from now on April twenty seventh. Going to do a full round, full first round mock. We will try to keep it under six hours uh, so you guys can really, really take your time with it. Um, it'll be two days before the the, the first round uh, on Thursday night. So, which is, is that correct, Chase? Thursday night is the Thursday first nights round? when the first round happens, then they roll into Friday, and then uh, with the next two rounds, right. and then Saturday. So, so you, uh, You'll have two full days to listen to all 12 hours of our first round mock draft. Uh, before we get out of here, we're going to have Tim read the random Raven clues one more time. Tim, uh, what do you have for us? All right, let's run through these quickly. Uh, number one, this random Raven played one season in Baltimore, but even though Antonio thought he played for a little bit, he never saw the field. Clue number two, this two-time pro bowler was drafted 31 picks ahead of Tom Brady in the 2000 NFL draft by the New Orleans Saints. Clue number three, Although he was drafted in 2000, he didn't really break onto the scene until 2002 when injuries forced him into a starting role with an NFC West team. I'll give it to you now. It's the Rams. He finished the season 6-0. Even with that great finish to the season, he was still number two on the depth chart the following year, but took over as the starting quarterback in week two and was this team's starter until 2009. And clue number five, this player actually wore two different numbers in his one season in Baltimore. <laughs> Trust me, I had to look it up on Google Images. Uh, but the one he is more known for throughout his entire career is number 10. So I feel better because I'm more confident in the name. I really thought, really thought I saw him on the field. Jace, you had it before me, so why don't you give the guess first and then I'll uh, I'll dive in. So I believe this is one-time Ravens backup quarterback Mark Bulger. It is Mark Bulger, correct. <laughs> oh my uh, gosh, that's about as random as they come, Tim. That was uh, what phenomenal. What year was he the backup? Uh, I believe was it, it was 2009 or 2010. 9, one of those years, yeah. 
That was yeah. good. I, I wouldn't have guessed who, who was even backing up, but now I realize it's the Flacco era. But oh, it was man. 2010, June 23rd, okay. 2010. He, he reached an agreement with the Rams. Yeah, I guess Flacco just never came out of the game those first few years <laughs> until, you know, I guess they there was some, some tie rod here and there and blowouts, I guess, in the later stages. But that's impressive. That means, what, Flacco played every second of every offensive snap of 2010? That says a lot about the 2010 Ravens, I think, of how many. Right, also you know, they never had games. blowouts big enough yeah. for him to even come in. <laughs> they even needed the, the starting QB to nail that one out because you had a uh, seven-point lead. <laughs> fantastic. Joe Fla- Did we mention, by the way, uh, Joe Flacco uh, going uh, to... We talked about that last episode, right, where he's... Uh... I think we did. An eagle? yeah, Eagles quarterback Joe Flacco. In case we did it, uh, I'm sure. I'm sure he's gonna play because that's kind of every team he's gone to has the last few years has been bad teams, and he kind of gets into the game. So I'm fully expecting some, you know, week 14 Joe Flacco starts with just like 90 percent, 50, 75 percent full Eagles stadium just booing mercilessly as the team's down 20 at halftime. I'm looking forward to it. It'll be entertaining. Uh, Wish Joe all the best, obviously. Plus in weeks 16, 17, or I should say week 18, uh, New Eagles coach Nick Sirianni may put him in to see what he's got, you know, (laughs) at that stage in his career. They may just want to see what he sort of, what he can offer the Eagles. Uh, All right, that's going to do it for us. We will be back again in two weeks. Mock draft episode coming out April 27th. We are very excited. We are going to do so much homework for that and bring you just all the correct picks for the first round of the 2021 NFL Draft. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbera. As always, thank you for listening to us. We will be back in two weeks. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.